Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want a bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome to another edition of the Action Network podcast. I am your host, Chris Raybon, and this is the NFL Week 12 betting preview on today's show. We'll be breaking down our top six spread bets in the Sunday six-pack, also giving you our favorite total pick of the week, our favorite teaser, money line, parlay, and survivor pool pick. But, of course, we will start, as always, by breaking down Thursday night football matchup. And uh, before we do that, in just a moment, just a reminder to download the free Action Network app for real-time odds, box scores, and the capability to track every bet you make. Now let's get right into our Thursday night football preview. It's not the best game, but it's the only game tonight. Let's bet Thursday night football. All right, for tonight's action we have the six and four Colts fresh off a big win over the Jacksonville Jaguars going to Houston to take on the six and four Texans Texans favored by three and a half getting 66% of the bet 79% of the dollars the total is at 45 and a half with 70% of the tickets and 85% of the dollars on the over and here to help me break down the game the prime minister of degenerate nation My dude, Stucky, who you can follow in the Action Network app, at Stucky2. And you can follow me at Chris Raybon. Stuck, what's going on, man? Hey, what's going on, brother? Not much. I mean, get us right into uh, what you think of this Texans-Colts matchup. This one, it's a tricky matchup. Now, generally, for Thursday night games, I always mention that the home team has a slight edge, especially when you stay at home, which isn't the case here. But... You know, both teams are going to be traveling. Houston obviously had the worst loss of Deshaun Watson's career. I think the most he lost by prior to getting trucked in Baltimore was eight points. Uh, and then the Colts are obviously coming off that win at home. The short week also isn't as much of an edge at home, for home teams, I should say, in interdivision. So, you know, teams are more familiar with each other. And the Colts have actually dominated the series of late. I think Watson is one in three against the Colts. Percent is four and zero against the Texans in his career. 
the first time that these two teams matched up, I actually ended up playing the Texans live. I didn't play them pregame, which cashed. I didn't play them pregame because of the coaching mismatch here. And that's a factor again, especially on a short week, which is what one of the things that I do look at. And from everything that I was reading, during their bye week, the Colts took a couple days after the Texans game to prepare for the Texans again. They took a day during the week when they played the Broncos to prepare for the Texans, uh, knowing that they'd have a short week without any practices this week. I don't think the Texans were doing that. So I give a huge edge to the staff on the Colts. Now, I think that the Texans are a more talented team. You know, their, their defense took a huge hit. You know, if you look at any advanced metric, if you look at DVOA, it took a huge hit last week. I mean, they played the Ravens, and they don't have J.J. Watt, who not only hurts off the edge, but he hurts in their run defense as well. Um, which took a big, big dip last week. That's going to be an important factor here because, again, the Colts are hurt on the outside um, and they're going to rely on their running game, even though Marlon Mack isn't there. You know, Wilkins should be healthy and he should be able to go. You know, But if you look on, on the other side of the ball, the Texans will have a huge edge on the outside and there's a number of injuries in the Colts secondary to keep your eye on. You, know, you might have the rookie Tell at one corner spot. Uh, I mean, Iraq Yassin might be out. I mean, you, you might have Quincy Wilson in there starting. So you would think that the Texans will have a big edge on the outside. So, you know, the way that I'm looking at this is, you know, it's not a game I love either way. So if I have a reason to stay away from a Thursday night game, that's all I need. But, you know, if the Colts come out with a couple, uh, you know, with a better game plan, more prepared, you know, hit the Texans in the mouth early as they did in the first meeting, it is a spot that I'll look for. Uh, the Texans live. Otherwise, I'll probably stay away. And keep in mind, just because of one week, the Colts still don't have a kicker. Remember that, everybody. The Colts special teams have been dreadful. Yeah, the Colts, I mean, they have kind of been getting by. You know, they've been up and down. They lost that game to the, the Dolphins that they should not have lost, uh, you know, regardless of what was going on with the quarterback situation. I think in this game, you kind of look at, at the two teams and say, yeah, coaching mismatch favors Indy, uh, quarterback favors Houston. So it, I think this, the line is probably about right. I would expect kind of a rebound performance from the Texans. Now, the one thing, too, Deshaun Watson looked like he got a little banged up. Uh, yeah, he was you know, getting hit all day. Yeah, so that could kind of play into these things. You know, we already saw the Colts take advantage when Patrick Mahomes was, you know, slightly banged up and obviously got more banged up as that game progressed and as the season progressed. But, you know, that's something to monitor. And I think uh, that kind of, you know, that uncertainty probably leads me to stay away from this one. Uh, it looks like the big money, at least for now, as we record this uh, on a Wednesday night is on the Texans in the overs. Will Fuller looks like a game time decision. T.Y. Hilton, too. He owns, owns. Texas. Yeah. Like, I, I think it was on his Wikipedia page at one point in, in, during one of those games. Like, somebody went and updated to T.Y. Hilton is the owner uh, of the Houston Texans. So, if he's out there, I think that's a big boost to Indianapolis because if not, it really does come down to that coaching staff and being able to kind of scheme enough offense for a, a run game centered around Jonathan Williams and Jordan Wilkins and then a pass game centered around Zach Paschal and Marcus Johnson and – it uh, looks like Eric Ebron's banged up, so Jack Doyle. I mean, it could get ugly for Indianapolis just from a, a talent perspective at the skill positions, uh, you know, if, if Houston is kind of able to hit some big plays with Deshaun Watson and, and gain some separation. So I do agree. I think it, this might be more uh, of a live betting game than, than when you kind of feel confident about uh, heading into it. It's tough on Thursday night. Keep your eye on who's available, especially on the Colts side uh, in that secondary because that'll have a, a – you know, this could feed into – you know, a live play as well. But the Texans, 
run defense, which, you know, all year graded elite. Didn't look so elite last week, and you just can't quantify the impact of J.J. Watt, one of the most important people. I think probably number one. He's worth, you know, two and a half points to the spread. That's unprecedented for an NFL defensive player. And, and those are just my numbers. Some, someone could say he's worth one point or two points. But his impact not only off the edge and creating havoc and huge plays, but also in the run defense and the attention that he draws, it, it's, it's just a huge blow to the Texans' defense, who, as you might recall, also lost Clowney in the offseason. Yeah, and the Colts, Marlon Mack ran for 14-109 in a touch last week, and he's out. But in that same game against the Jaguars, Jonathan Williams, 13 carries for 116 yards, and then Naeem Hines also carried – three times for 11 and a touch. So the Colts run game got going. Their offensive line is not going away. Uh, you just, it, it's one of those situations where I, I don't think the Colts want to fall behind. I don't think they're in a position to play uh, as well from behind, but if they could start the game strong and kind of make, make Bill O'Brien uh, have to make some decisions, uh, I think that's where they have the edge. Bill O'Brien, as, as he kind of alluded to, he's 13 and 22 uh, against the spread in his career uh, against winning teams per bet lab. So uh, that is uh, that's kind of indicative of, of his struggles and the home favorite. Yeah, two and five this season against the spread, but 74, 48 and four uh, on Thursday night going back to 2003. So we will see if that uh, if that rebounds. But you can kind of make a case for, for both sides here uh, as we do every week. Let's conclude our Thursday night breakdown with the coaches pep talk. And this one goes out to the Houston Texans. You've allowed no time for analysis or decision-making. Can we get serious now? All right, Stucky, time for the main event, the Sunday six-pack. Thirsty for action? Let's crack open the Sunday six-pack. All right, so last week we both held serve, and that means you maintained your two-point cushion over me. Uh, I have first pick this week. And I am going with the San Francisco 49ers, three-point favorites over the Green Bay Packers in what should be hopefully an entertaining game. And the reason being, look, I know the, the 49ers are banged up. They're dealing with injuries to George Kittle, uh, Emmanuel Sanders. is iffy. Debo Samuel got banged up. Looked like, looks like he's going to be okay. Uh, D Ford. Uh, so some key players on, on the 49ers banged up, but – yeah, D four uh, doubtful. I'm just yeah, yeah. He's. I don't think he's going to play. Uh, but all that being said, I do not view these teams, even with the 49ers cluster of injuries, uh, as essentially equal on a neutral field, which uh, is what this line would imply with the 49ers installed as three point favorites. Uh, I imagine you know that's a pretty conservative line. I know the public does indeed like to back the Green Bay Packers, so. I'm not totally surprised by it, but uh, I think the 49ers are uh, a couple of points better than the Green Bay Packers, even with these injuries. Uh, the Green Bay Packers ha have been getting a little bit lucky. If you look at their Pythagorean win theorem, which essentially just your point differential over time is going to uh, be more indicative of your, your true uh, you know, win-loss record, your true ability to win games than, than your prior win-loss record actually is. And so Packers are a 6-4 team. If you look at that, and the 49ers are over an eight-win team. So there is a significant difference between these two teams. 49ers at home, uh, I think that, you know, they've – and another thing is they played pretty well you know, given their, their injuries because they've been suffering injuries all year, and they're, they've been playing well and kind of compensating for it in different ways. I think uh, the, the loss of D4 does hurt. You always want 
to kind of the cover to be full against Aaron Rodgers, but this is still a deep 49ers uh, defense. They got Witherspoon back on the back end, so I think they'll still be able to cover. They still have a, a couple of studs up front, even though it's, it's thinning out a little bit. This Packer team is, is just kind of, you know, the offense, they, they're, they're going to rely on their running game, which is what I think you want to do against San Francisco. Uh, San Francisco has been weaker uh, against the run, lights out against the pass. So ultimately what it comes down to is I don't think this Green Bay defense has been uh, quite as good after the, the hot start to the season. And San Francisco has just been getting it done week in, week out. Their only loss, kind of a game that could could have really gone either way uh, against the Seattle Seahawks, uh, a one-score game, which we don't put too much stock into. Look, I somewhat disagree. I mean, you, you also have the Packers coming off of a bye, which has to be you know, factored into consideration. I know this is the third straight home game for San Fran, but there's a couple things, you know, that I don't like. And by the way, just to knock off the NFC playoff picture, these two teams have a bye right now. It's an enormous, enormous game because the Packers are eight and two, but they have a tiebreaker over the Saints who are eight and two. So, you know, it's going to be between those three teams for, uh, you know, bye. And then this, this game will go a long way in determining home field. You know, it's either going to be Packers tied with the 49ers, but with a game in hand in the head-to-head, or the 49ers up two games with a head-to-head advantage uh, over the Packers, which would be huge. But I do want to just say, look, the, you know, you can look at the Pythagorean win fear, and, and look, I've been on the Packers bandwagon since before the season, and then I've also relinquished the fact that they have been a bit lucky, but you know, their strength of schedule is significantly, has been significantly tougher than the 49ers. Their strength of schedule is about 500, one of the you know, toughest uh, in the NFC. The 49ers are 382. And that, what that means is 38.2 win percentage. That's the total combined winning percentage of the teams that they played. The 49ers strength of victory is 337. The Packers are, are 51.8%. So, you know, the Packers have had a much tougher schedule. One of the things that is really intriguing to me here, you know, say you look at, if you know football outsiders and you look at each team's rush offense DVOA it's which is adjusting for opponent you know the the packers which have this significantly better rush offense you know they're ranked i think fourth in pass offense and rush offense uh and the 49ers are now ranked 21st in rush offense you know that's adjusting for their really easy schedule the 49ers i still consider an elite rushing team but and this is a huge but. It's when George Kittle plays. You know, so if you, you want to talk about, you know, for baseball fans out there, Mike Trout, you know, we always look at war in baseball. I mean, Mike Trout's war every, every single year is astronomical. Well, if we had the same measure for football, Kittle's would be out of this world in a different stratosphere. And the reason for that, obviously, he's, for my money, the best tight end, receiving tight end in the NFL. But his run blocking and then the attention that he, that he demands, they don't really have a tight end without him. But the attention that he demands from the linebackers and safeties obviously opens up the running game. Additionally, his run blocking and his ability to block on the edge is huge. And you saw that against the Cardinals last week. They just they, – that losing and, – and, you know, look, the Packers have two great edge defenders. So the status of Kittle is not only supremely important for, you know, their passing game. And the 49ers are just so much better. I mean, he's the best tight end in football for my money. But their running game. And that's one of the reasons you see why the 49ers mid-pack to below mid-pack, you know, in some of these advanced metrics and rush offense, because the rush offense has taken a hit since Kittle has been sidelined. His presence will probably make the difference, whether or not he plays. And from what everything I've heard from Shanahan is it's a game-time decision. So that is enormous for me. And I don't think there's going to be any of us who know until Sunday if he's definitely playing or not. So I just wanted to point that out. 
San Francisco has fallen off in their run game, at least efficiency-wise. I mean, I think part of that is they run so much that at some point it's just going to become less and less efficient. But uh, the Packers but also are absence, though. You, you have to agree with yeah. that. It's yeah, huge. no, but the, the Packers are 28th in, in run, rushing DVOA themselves. So this has not been a good run defense. And the one, one of the things that kind of helps a little bit uh, even if George Kittle were to miss, is they do have Kyle Juszczyk back, who yep, uh, is fair. just as good of a run blocker at his position, which, uh, you know, these days, I mean, he's essentially going to play a lot of the – in the same positions that, uh, that Kittle would have lined up if Kittle were to be out. That's kind of how they, they do it. I do think that is the one thing. And, and San Francisco's pass defense uh, still elite, which is a, a factor that kind of helps out a little bit when, you know, you're, you're facing Aaron Rodgers, obviously. So you, it's not going to be easy, but I just think that you take everything, you put it together. I don't think that you could say these two teams are equal, evenly matched on a neutral field at this point in the season. I mean, you can't help who you play at some point. So I think the 49ers are um, going to give the Packers some problems. And uh, I think there's value on this number at three. All right. Uh, for my pick, I am fading the last time I did this this worked out from a number one pick uh and by the way we are the score is 33 31 so it's a hell of a, a race and contest so far and I'm right on my goal I wanted three points a week through and I still can't get separation from you you know I have to be really confident in this to do this I'm fading the Patriots with my two huh. point pick this week look I know the Patriots are 62.4 percent against the spread covering by almost four points per game at home with Tom Brady as quarterback. They're 73, 44, and 5 against the spread since 2003. That's insane. That's a 21.8% ROI. But this line is crazy to me, and I have a feeling if you're out there listening, this line's going to get hammered, and it's going to come down eventually. I bought some to 7, have some at 6.5. And, and look, I just – this Patriots team, you want to talk about, you know, easy schedules. We said, we said that with the 49ers. Well, the Patriots have had one of the easiest – schedules in the NFL. I mean, it's really amazing if you look at what the Patriots have done this year. I mean, look, they're one of the best teams in the NFL. You're never going to hear me not say that. But this team does have issues. And they've just been masked. You know, they're 9-1, and one, but they've been masked with their easy schedule. I mean, just look at their schedule. Tell me one team they beat with a winning record, and it's the Bills. That's it. That is the only team with a winning record that they've beat all year. It's pretty amazing. We're through 11 weeks. I mean, it must be nice to play in the AFCs. The Bills and the Patriots, through 11 weeks, have a combined 16 wins, and they haven't beat a single good team outside of their division. So besides when they played each other, they've beat nobody. Um, the best win between them two is the Bills beating the Titans, I believe. <laughs> that is the best one that they've had. So this Patriots offense still – has lots of issues. And they're, you know, now Sanu is, is dealing with an injury on the outside, but it's all the rotating pieces. Now they will get Isaiah Wynn back at left tackle. He should help. That's yeah. been an issue. He's got to come in. He's got to get reacclimated. There might be some rust there, but the offensive line still isn't elite. I think it'll get there by the end of the year. I mean, with one of the best offensive line coaches in the NFL, Brady, he's getting older. And uh, eventually you're going to see some diminished performance. And last week in the first half against the Eagles, against the Eagles secondary, he had the most incompletions in a first half that he's ever had in his career. You know, they can't really run the ball. Um, they're giving up pressure. The Eagles have pressure all day long. Cowboys are going to be able to control the line of scrimmage. And the Cowboys offense is humming along. Um, this offense, and look, they have a really good back in Ezekiel Elliott. And, you know, I think has been, you know, they should have paid Dak and not him but they still have a really good back who could take advantage of 
a defense, a run defense in New England that is still middle of the pack at best. It can still be exploited. We saw that with the Ravens. And guess what? Dak Prescott, who's playing so well right now, he is mobile. So not only is he throwing it as well as any quarterback in the NFL, he can move and he can run. And why is that important? Well, mobile quarterbacks have always given Bill Belichick problems, and there's a reason for that. They play a ton of man on the outside, which they're going to have to do here with the Cowboys receivers. They're going to play a ton of man, which means you know when your receivers are going out in their routes, if you just got, get by that first first line of pressure or you get outside, you're going to have a lot of room to run and pick up first downs and extend drives, which is going to be important for Prescott to do. I have these teams almost pretty close to even as of right now. And I think New England may eventually surpass Dallas as they figure out some of their offensive issues. And they just had so many rotating parts on the outside. I mean, now you have Nikhil Harry, their first round draft pick, is back in his second game. And it makes sense the timing's been off. The offensive line has been great. You've had Antonio Brown there. You had Josh Gordon there. They're no longer there. You have Edelman has been banged up. You've had a rotating carousel at tight end. Uh, you have you brought in Sanu. Now he's hurt. He didn't practice today. Dorsett has been there from the beginning, but he's hurt now. He didn't practice today. So, I mean, it's understandable that the timing's a little off. The running game not working well doesn't help. So, you know, it's just an offense that isn't that great right now. Um, and uh, I know that there's a big coaching advantage here with Belichick versus Garrett, but if you can buy to seven, which I recommend doing, this line is way too high. I think that they're going to have a shot to pull off the upset. As good as the numbers have been for Dak, and, and you look at the schedule, and, and, and they should be because they face the Giants, the Redskins, the Miami Dolphins, uh, the New York Jets, the, that Eagles secondary when it was still uh, pretty banged up, the Detroit Lions, which can't figure out how to play defense. I guess maybe it's Bill Belichick and not Matt Patricia that, that's good at defense. I don't know. Then you look, and, and you kind of look beneath the surface at this, at this Cowboys team, and you kind of alluded to the coaching issue. This was a team that I bet against – against the Minnesota Vikings, you know, at home. And in a game, many thought that the Cowboys should have, should have taken care of business. And the Cowboys don't have a win versus a winning team. The Cowboys have beat the Giants, the Redskins, the Dolphins, the Eagles, who are 500 now, uh, the Giants again, and the 3-6-1 the and one Detroit Lions. They have no wins. They're in the You're, same boat as the Patriots. But I don't need them to win. They're going to lose by three. We all know right, that's going right. to happen. And it's funny you say that because that very well might be true because – They'll probably be down seven or, and, you know, driving with like three minutes to go deep in Patriots territory or, or down six. And Jason Garrett will kick a field goal. That Which is, is fine I, by me. Team Garrett, <laughs> if that happens. Jason Garrett against the spread uh, versus winning teams in his career, 27, 35 and two, 44 percent. And uh, it's kind of it's been a problem because even with Dak Prescott, you know, playing well for the Cowboys. Uh, in his career, he's just 9-16 and 16 against the spread, 36%. Uh, when they go up against a winning team, and you've kind of seen those issues uh, come to the forefront this season. Two games that I think we partly disagree on, both for two points. So it could oh, be a yeah. big that's, swing. That's what I said. It's shaping up as one of my favorite weeks. But for my next pick, pretty ugly kind of similar situation. Uh, team probably wouldn't really be talking about much at all this season if it wasn't for this podcast. And trying to find some value on the board here and – Going back to these New York Jets, these, these pesky little New York Jets who uh, just started off the season miserably and, and then laid an egg against Jacksonville, and now they've kind of turned it around a little bit, beat up on some, on some shaky teams, and you have to start kind of looking at these teams that are a little bit overrated, you know, according to their win-loss record, uh, and I think one of those teams is the Oakland Raiders, and uh, I, I like what John Gruden is doing there. I think J Derek Carr 
is kind of acquitting himself well, mastering uh, this offense a lot better in his second year. This Jets defense has un- underratedly been a little better than people think, despite uh, you know kind of some turmoil. Uh, this defense has been pretty good. Oakland going on, going across the country, kind of a trap spot for them where they could come out a little bit flat in this spot. And uh, I like taking the points here with the Jets. I think a couple of things for the Jets. Number one, they play really good run defenses. We've talked about this in the past. That's why I liked them uh, last week against Washington. And I think the yeah, Raiders offense at this point, their passing game and the numbers they put up in their passing game, you, you mentioned it. They've been playing in all these games that go over the total. And so they've been behind. They've had to throw the ball. The numbers look good. And they have some, some, some good players there. But I think this offense at this point centers around your boy, Josh Jacobs. Uh, he has been, as you mentioned every week, one of the best running backs in the league this season. So anytime you're going to tell me that Oakland, a team centered around Josh Jacobs and that rushing attack, is going to go across the country to play a, a defense that ranks number two in the league in rushing DVOA, I'm going to, my eyebrows are going to kind of be raised, especially when that team is a three-point favorite. So I think it'll be a struggle for Oakland. And we, we kind of saw Oakland's not just going to, just because they've been efficient for the most part on offense, doesn't mean they're necessarily going to be kind of smashing teams week in and week out. Uh, again, a lot of their, their production has been somewhat game script driven. They put up just 17 points against the Bengals defense that pound for pound might be the worst in the league at this point, just because they're so uh, devoid of talent and probably at probably tanking at this point. I'm not sure how, how mentally checked in they are. So, you know, Derek Carr ran for a touchdown in that one. That was, that was a great play on him. But this Jets defense, they, they've, they've kind of come on a little stronger against the pass in recent weeks. I, I just think that too many points, the, the Jets passing game starting to come to life. Jameson Crowder with Sam Darnold has been one of, I think, under, the underlooked stories of the year in terms of a, a good pickup because week in, week out, he's getting 70, 80 yards, finding the end zone. Uh, with Darnold, uh, that connection has been strong. Oakland gets no pressure, uh, and you still have Le'Veon Bell to deal with in the run game. I think the Jets can kind of uh, operate a more balanced attack in this spot. Uh, two bad defenses. Give me the home team getting the three points. Yeah, um, I, I like it here. I might end up teasing them, but yeah, I mean, the, the Raiders, I love what they've done on offense, and I always say their defense is terrible. So I think the Jets will be able to move the ball. Darnold is playing confident. They really do. They also struggle with slot receivers, oh, uh, as you said. So Crowder. Yeah, so Crowder should have a huge day. Um, and, yeah, the, the Jets, every, the entire Raiders offense, why I love it. I mean, their offensive line is really good, but the Jets' defensive line can match up. And their entire offense starts with Josh Jacobs. And the, the Jets have been, and they've showed it every week, they're one of the best run defenses in the NFL. Probably a lot closer to even than – most think and the market is indicating here with the Raiders being a three point favorite, which is assuming they're around, you know, six points better nah, than the Jets, which I don't think is not. the case. Chad Melman, who most of you and probably all of you know, he put out a, a good article, not and not only because he said good things about me, but on uh, betting bad teams. And one of the things he said about the Raiders, and he likes the Jets this week as well, is you can look at their record or how well they've played. They've been outscored by twenty five net points this year. Yeah. Overall. So check that out if you haven't already. Um Shouts to my guy, Chad Millman, getting it in with the Pythagorean wins and the point differentials. I see you, Chad. Well done. Um, all right, for my next play, I'm going with the Denver Broncos. Oh, uh, they've covered four or five straight. Uh, I've been in them, on them oh, a bunch. These two teams are – and by the way, the, you know, so you look at the Bills, they're seven and three. They've be, they have no, they've had no good wins. They beat the Titans. That's their best win. Um, they've had – their strength of victory is 214. 
214. That's 21 percent. They have seven wins with a 214 strength of victory. So that means that all, if you take all the teams they beat, they have a, a basically a 20 percent winning percentage. They literally have played one of the easiest schedules I've ever seen for a seven-win team. Um, meanwhile, the Broncos, you know, have lost a number of games they could have won. We've talked about this earlier in the year. They're kind of robbed against Green Bay. They lost two games at the with last second field goals against the Jags and the Bears earlier in the season. Um, you know, they lost to uh, the Colts by two in a game they could have won. You know, they lost to the Vikings after leading 20 nothing. So these teams, if they played a similar schedule, they'd probably have the same record. But these are basically mirrors. These two teams are mirrors. They both have quarterbacks named Allen. They both have one good receiver on the outside that they can throw to. John Brown, uh, and Brown and Sutton. What's tough that? Tough matchup for John Brown this week. Yes, but I trust – yeah, and they both have good secondaries. <laughs> but what it comes down to to me is I trust the Broncos' run defense and the Broncos' run offense more than the Bills' run offense and, more importantly, their run defense. So the Broncos, their defense has been excellent all year. Um, you have to give them credit. They keep fighting. Um, yeah, and Harris will be – shadowing Brown. It won't be like last week when you had a, a rookie, an undrafted rookie from UTEP shadowing John Brown gets targeted 14 times and went off. He'll be shadowed by one of the best corners in the NFL this week. Um, but the Bills run defense, we've talked about it. It's been one of the worst in the NFL this year. I think the Broncos, just like the Browns did, can exploit it. Um, I think you're going to have a big day for the Browns backs, both quarterbacks. Eh, they're not going to kill you downfield. They might hit a play or two here or there. But that's basically what I think the difference is in two teams that are pretty much even to me. But the Bills defense, if you want to look at Czech football outsiders, yeah, the Bills run defense is 27th in the NFL. The Broncos have a top 10 run offense and a top 10 run defense. So I think that is the difference. By the way, two awful punters in this game, which could have an impact. But I think that ends up being the difference here. The Bills aren't that good, people. They might make the playoffs in the terrible AFC you know, your past defense is good and Josh Allen will run a little bit and John Brown's having a good year. He's a good receiver on the outside, but he has a bad matchup and this Bill's run defense, I think, is going to get exploited. Uh, this is probably a field goal game either way, but give me the four plus with the Broncos. If our guy Booger McFarland was here from, uh, from Monday Night Football, the only thing he'd probably say is uh, Andy Janovich, the fullback, they lost him for the year, the Denver Broncos. Uh, he was a big part of their running game. So looks like they signed Orson Charles and they'll use him in – uh, Andrew Beck, I believe it is, to, to kind of make it up. But, yeah, I think there's still a, a big advantage for uh, Denver to exploit in this run game, two evenly matched teams. So uh, no issue with that pick. So for my third pick, and I feel like every time we get to this point, it's like, oh, it's, uh, it's an ugly card. I'm just trying to make it through and, and, and hold serve here. So go back to the tried and true method of betting against Mr. Mitch Trubisky and going with the Giants plus six against the Chicago Bears. I think that – the, uh, I like the Giants for a couple of reasons, and uh, listen, they're not getting better. They're, they're a bad team. We saw that uh, play out against the Jets and picked against them in that spot. The bye week, I think, does help some of the Giants' uh, main issues, number one being that the defense was just plagued by coverage busts all, all season long, especially in that secondary, and I think having that extra week does help kind of get something situated uh, you know, we saw that with the with the Falcons when, you know, they went on a buy. Now, granted, they also made some coaching changes and moved some things around. But um, it, that does kind of help get guys on the same page and, and, and shore things up uh, going forward. Also, I think another one of the Giants' main issues has obviously been health and not just, you know, the skill positions. Evan Ingram probably misses another game. We'll see about Sterling Shepard. But 
you know, that offensive line has been banged up and, and, and whatnot. So uh, I think that, you know, that will help. Uh, and then you have a young quarterback, Daniel Jones. This will be his first extended time off to kind of take stock. And, you know, he's been, he's been playing okay, but it's the, the, the turnovers have really been an issue. So perhaps he can clean some of those things up. So let's hear it for Danny Dimes. Uh, just a, a bunch of little edges, I think, for the Giants coming out of the bye. Meanwhile, Bears on a, a semi-short week after getting run over by the, the, the Rams, literally. Saquon Barkley, the talk of the, uh, you know, locally for the Giants is that Saquon Barkley, the thing he wanted to work on during the bye is his inside running. And I think that is actually a, a positive, if, if you, especially with the O-line getting a little bit healthier, because... We saw what the Rams were able to do to the Bears and, and how, you're gonna, how you can play the Bears with their offense in this state. Because, you know, the Giants are a team that you kind of want to line up and throw the ball all the, around the yard and make them face a high volume of pass plays. And you can kind of count on eventually they're going to they're gonna have some coverage busts. Uh, Corey Ballantyne, DeAndre Baker, the rookie, uh, just a lot of miscommunication. But I don't know if the, Matt Nagy – it doesn't look like Matt Nagy is going to be willing to do that. Uh, you know, this whole thing with Trubisky versus Chase Daniels hanging over their head. And if the Bears don't come out strong in that first quarter against the New York Giants in Chicago, it's going to get ugly fast uh, and be a tough environment for the Bears to play in, I think. And, and let's not forget the Giants with Eli Manning, by the way. Eli Manning against a better Bears defense last season uh, got a win against Chicago. Their second best receiver for the Bears is Tariq Cohen. And that's, you know, that's not – Tariq Cohen's a good football player, but – uh, that's a problem. Uh, I think Anthony Miller will probably be a big key for the Bears in this one. Uh, you know, he kind of came alive against the Rams a little bit, but they can't throw. You can't have Taylor Gabriel getting 14 targets. Uh, and uh, you know, I'm sure we'll see Janoris Jenkins on Allen Robinson, and they'll try to take him out of the game. So, uh, you know, I think those secondary guys for the Bears will come in, in handy. But ultimately, I just don't think the Bears are in a position to cover as six-point favorites against pretty much anyone in the league this side of Miami. And even Miami's been pretty feisty lately. So. Uh, too many points for the Bears. They're built to win field goal games, except they don't have a kicker. So give me the Giants. Gross. I don't have much of a feeling here. I got to see who's playing quarterback. I will say Trubisky has random good games every like eight weeks against bad secondaries. Don't read anything into it. So maybe he has one of those. Um, the Bears defense is still pretty good. The thing that Giants got to clean up is Daniel Jones turnovers. He has more turnover worthy plays than any quarterback in the NFL. So that's the thing you worried about. With a, a Bears defense, it's still good. It's not as elite as it was last year. But, you know, with a Khalil Mack coming around the edge, is he going to steal the ball and run for a touchdown like you saw with the Jets, um, literally? Uh, so that's the only thing I worry about there. But your pick is not as ugly as my third pick. I'm going with the Cincinnati Bengals, who I did back last week, um, and they cashed for me. And this is really – this isn't a play – on the Cincinnati Bengals. This is a fade of the Steelers here and a spot I will always fade. Mike Tomlin as a road favorite, uh, especially against a bad team. Let's just go through quick numbers here. Mike Tomlin, 25-34-1 against the spread, negative 15.3% RI. That's the worst among 101 coaches who've been a road favorite since 2003. Against teams with a losing record, he's 13-27-1 against the spread. That's 30, less than 33%, failing to cover by over a field goal a game. Worst among 99 coaches. ROI over negative 33%. He's also 5-13 against the spread as a favorite of a touchdown plus. He's lost outright as a touchdown plus favorite in each of the past four seasons against a team under 500. His teams perennially come out flat in these spots. He's only 23-18 and 18 on the money line 
as a road favorite against sub 500 teams, worst among 99 coaches. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Uh, plus, Mason Rudolph, by some metrics, I mean, by my own eyes, has been the worst uh, starting quarterback in the NFL. He shouldn't even be playing in this game. He should be, he should be suspended, too. Like, I don't know how he got off without a suspension for, for starting the incident uh, on Thursday night last week with Miles Garrett. Well, I'm glad because now I, I get to fade the Steelers. And I think he's worse for them. Plus, you have Schuster out. You have potentially Johnson out. Connor is out. I mean, it's, it's just bad. Pouncey is out, as most of you know. But they have no weapons. I mean, it's going to – so they, they're not really going to exploit a bad Bengals defense. The Bengals' front is finally healthy. It played pretty well against the Raiders last week, their defensive line. Their offense is still horrendous. Don't get me wrong. Ryan Finley is horrendous, too. He's just a, a plug to get Joe Burrow. The Bengals, by the way, were the first team to be eliminated this early from the playoffs since, I think, 2002. So, but just catching seven points here. It's a divisional game. The team still hasn't won. It's just mainly I don't buy the Steelers, who have been just benefiting so much from turnovers, too, and give me the seven at home with the Bengals. Yeah, I, I'm with you. This is, this is going to be an ugly game. Uh, looking for 13 catches from from Jalen Samuel for 21 yards or something. Yeah, he, they will throw to him, target him maybe 20 times. Steelers are just decimated by injuries, so this game probably a lot closer than people think. And that does it for our Sunday six-pack. Stuck has the Broncos plus four against the Bills, the Cowboys plus six and a half against the Patriots, and the Cincinnati Bengals plus seven against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I have the Niners as a three-point favorite against the Packers, Jets plus three, against Oakland and Giants plus six against the Chicago Bears. Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. Now let's jump into our favorite over-under of the week. All right, Stuck, I started the six-pack, so why don't you lead us right into our totals, which we've been, we've been killing with these totals, by the way. I, we yep. haven't missed many of these. Uh, that's, that's one thing that I'm pretty proud of. Uh, so he got this week. Yeah, and by the way, with that, with that Bengals pick, you might want to split it first half, too, if you are betting it, because if, the, if for whatever reason the Steelers get up like 14 the first half, Ryan Finley's not coming back against that defensive line. And so they got to keep it close in the first half. Uh, I like the few totals here. As you follow me the action app, you'll see me play, eventually play a few totals here this week. But one of my favorites is Atlanta, Tampa, over 51. Was that 54 came down? It's Trust me, it's going to go back up. Atlanta defense has been playing better the last two weeks. They still aren't good. There's, you know, it was Kyle, a huge Kyle Allen regression and just a weird penalty-filled game against the Saints. Raheem Morris did start taking over play calling. They've been better in that aspect. Their front has been playing better. Uh, and, you know, their, their front has played – their defensive front has been a strength all year with McKinley, Grady Jarrett, Adrian Claiborne. But, by the way, Claiborne, McKinley, they didn't practice today, which isn't great. But they're pretty good at stopping the run. And so are the Bucs. That's what both of these teams do. But I don't trust either secondary. So what's going to be happening on Sunday – both of these quarterbacks are going to be slinging it around. This ball is going to be in the air the whole game. Neither team has corners that I think can cover either of the other team's elite pair of receivers. You know, you've Ridley and Julio on one side. Uh, you have Godwin uh, and Evans on the other. Jameis will give the Falcons two. And by the way, when I bet the Bucks last week, 
I, I can't even blame two of the picks were complete flukes. I would have bet the, the Bucks again. OJ Howard won behind oh, his back. I mean, yeah, the other one, that. Evans stopped on a route and there was just confusion. But, you know, he'll probably give the Falcons seven here. But both of these teams are going to be able to throw it at will. And I don't think either one of them are going to be able to run it. And it just yeah. means that the clock is not going to be going fast. There's going to be a ton of explosive plays. Uh, over 51, both of these teams should get the 30. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, I think, especially if, if the Falcons are missing anybody, I do think they played better. So at first I was kind of like, oh, this could be a trap. Raheem Morris moving over from wide receiver coach to, to D-backs coach. But uh, I, I do think that there's just going to be so much passing going on that it's going to be hard uh, for it not to hit the total, even if the Falcons just put up a big number. Uh, on the Bucks, who we know. Well, plus, both these teams are out of it, so it's like they're not even yeah. – like, who cares? Let's just – They, they just need the numbers. And... Like, Julio is kind of – you know, he's been, he's been good, but he hasn't had those, like, monster games as much. So, yeah, yeah I think they just kind of want to get their numbers. Austin Hooper out, so, yeah, they can kind of pad Ridley and Julio. And the Bucks on the other side, I mean, yeah, they're, they're going to they're gonna to, uh, to, to throw the football as well. Uh, for me, I'm going, you know, as I usually do here with, with an under, and under 41.5 in the Detroit – at Washington game uh, at first, you know, kind of, you know, doing it from a fantasy perspective, we were all excited about Jeff Driscoll this week. Oh, you know, Jeff Driscoll averaging 23 DraftKings points going against this bad Redskins D. But, but then I sat back and I thought about it and, you know, are we, are we really betting on an over with Jeff Driscoll versus Dwayne Haskins? Absolutely not. Uh, you know, this is an outdoor game. I think the, the Redskins want to run the ball. Now that they have Darius Geis, they have Adrian Peterson. Lions have been a poor run defense. And the, on the other side, the Lions have shown they want to have that power run element. I mean, they've cycled through C.J. Anderson, Trey Carson, uh, who was it, uh, Paul Perkins. Now they have Bo Scarborough, you know, out here getting 14 carries. Uh, and, and they're going to continue to feature that. And you have Jeff Driscoll at quarterback, so you know, you're going to have to. Uh, I think two teams that uh, don't want to throw the ball around the yard unless they have to uh, in this game. And... Uh, you know, outdoor situation could see some wind. Uh, right now, the forecast is just above 10, which when it starts to hit 10, uh, unders hit at a 56% rate. But regardless of the weather or not, I, I just think two bad quarterbacks, even though the defenses on the other side haven't been great either, don't necessarily think these, the, the past games are uh, equipped to, to really take advantage of it as much as these coaches are going to kind of play it a little close to the vest, uh, try to be efficient, try to use the, their run games as much as they can to support their quarterbacks. So. Uh, going going with the under here. Don't hate it. I actually like the skins at over a field goal. Driscoll, I think the skins might have they're, – they have no running game to speak of, and it's Driscoll. I think the Redskins might have the better overall defense and catching three and a half at home, it's not pretty. But um, I can't argue with you under there. All right, so Stuck, you have Bucks Falcons over 51, and I have Lions Redskins under 41 and a half. Let's get into our weekly teaser segment. Oh, yeah. Six-point teasers. All right, so for those unfamiliar, this is a standard six-point two-team teaser, which means you get six extra points uh, for each team to widen the spread in exchange for a slightly reduced payout. And Stuck usually puts out some great content on teasers uh, you know, during the week, so be sure to check that out on actionnetwork.com. Stuck, I believe we both had our teaser last week. Who you got in this one? I am going with the Jets, as I already talked about, and give me the Packers plus nine. Crossing, you know, it's at three right now, but crossing four and seven. And if they're down 10 or 14 late, you know, yeah. you have Aaron Rodgers yeah. on your side against a more of a prevent defense, which you have to love. 
Yeah, and I'm, it's funny because every week we seem to have at least one of the same teaser picks. There's only so many you should really be looking at because, again, you want to try to get through those, those key numbers, the three, four, and the six if possible. So also going with the Jets uh, for those same reasons and throwing in the Seattle Seahawks. The Seattle Seahawks, a team I normally probably would actually like just as one-and-a-half point underdogs, but uh, they are going across the country. This feels like a little bit of a trap. I think that the Eagles' defense is being underrated. I think they're playing a lot better than people think. Uh, Seahawks, we'll see about the status of Tyra Lockett. So just not prepared to fully dive in. But do think that another team that I think can keep it close at the end if they're down two scores or something like that, I think they can drive down the field with Russell Wilson. Uh, and he is 16-6-2 in his career uh, against the spread, 73% cover rate as a road underdog. So uh, with six extra points uh, going through that uh, – those key numbers of six and seven, especially, uh, feel good about the, the Seattle Seahawks being able to pay off uh, on the other side of that tease. I may be on the Eagles here, especially if this line keeps coming down. I mean, the Seahawks, we talk about teams that are lucky. Yeah. They're one of them. They have two overtime wins. The rest of the NFL combined has two. Uh, they're eight and two with a net points of plus 12 at the end of regulation. They've outscored their opponents with eight wins by a total of 12 in regulation and by nine in overtimes. Uh, seven of their eight wins came by one possession against the Rams on a, at home on a missed field goal. The Bengals by one when they were dominated. At home against the Bucks in overtime. At Falcons with Matt Schaub. At Pitt after Ben got hurt. At Cleveland with a ton of flukes. And then at San Fran in overtime, their first good win. Eagles were four and six last year. They still made the playoffs. At, look, the Hawks struggle to cover tight ends. I know the Eagles have no receivers left. Um, but I think the tight ends can have a big day down the seam. And the Eagles defensive line should dominate this line of scrimmage. Fletcher Cox might eat Joey Hunt for lunch and oh. spit him out and eat him again. Uh, Hawks special teams stink too. So I think the Eagles might get this done. But, yeah, I can't hate, hate the tease through three and seven against a team that's offense is just dreadful to watch. And just please, like, be careful out there, Stuck, because it sounds to me sounds to me like you're going to bet against the Patriots and Seahawks in the same week, which uh, is ballsy, but just be careful out there because – we, we know how these things can go. <laughs> it's just inexplicably wrong. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think that, yeah, I'm not as confident in the Seahawks at, for all the same reasons as I usually would be in, a, in this kind of spot for Russ, which is why I'm going with the tease here. Uh, let's get into our underdog money line parlor. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the money line parlay. All right, so this segment is where we each pick an underdog on the money line. We also kind of combine it into a parlay, see see if that hits. Uh, We've hit a few this year. Stuck, why don't you start us off again? Who are you going with on the money line uh, in week number 12? Let's make it interesting. Give me the Bengals. I don't think they're going to go winless. This is where they would get the win. I guess Mason Rudolph and a depleted Steelers team in a fade Tomlin spot. So give me the Bengals. Get to get the first win this week, and that's it. So yeah. the last win of the year. They have this one, and they have that. Uh, they have that Week 16 uh, Super Bowl matchup with the Miami Dolphins <laughs> as well. So maybe one of them. Maybe they get the two. Who knows? Uh, but uh, it's funny because yeah, I don't. I don't hate that pick at all. I think there's a few teams you're looking at at the money line on the money line this week. The Jets obviously one of them, but I think you just take the points there. So um, you know, kind of out of consideration for me. I think the Jaguars are a team that that you can make a case for, but I don't like how they match up to the Titans. So uh, I am going with, and I bet against them last week and, and for the exact reason of they haven't got a win with this quarterback, but going with the, the Washington Redskins here, I think this is a spot where they can get 
Dwayne Haskins, his first win at home against a bad defense, starting uh, with the offense starting its backup quarterback. Uh, Give me the Redskins on the money line, plus 160. Uh, You have the Bengals plus 250. That would actually be an eight to one payout if if the parlay hits. So you'd win 910 bucks on a $100 bet. Uh, So this should be an interesting parlay this week. Two teams with a combined one win that we are betting on to win to go two and zero in week number twelve, but it is the NFL. So let's get in to the best of the rest, which are all the games that we haven't covered in any other segment. We'll start off with the Miami Dolphins going to Cleveland. Cleveland ten and a half point favorite. Sixty two percent of the bets, sixty three percent of the money on Miami. The total forty four and a half. Sixty nine percent of the tickets. Eighty three percent of the dollars are on the over in this one, Stuck, any wins. I like the Browns here. Look, I faded the Dolphins last week against the Bills, so I'm not a fan of. Uh, I thought I said the line was crazy. It's not seven. I think this line, is, it's crazy that it's not 14. I know Miles Garrett won't be there to help hurt the pass rush, but and I know the Browns are a double-digit favorite. It's only the second time in the last 25 years the Browns have been a double-digit favorite. The first was in 2007 against the 49ers. I actually covered that game as 11.5-point favorite, so one by 13. Was that the Singletary-era 49ers? I think so. Oh. Um, oh, man. And, but look, this Dolphins team is terrible. I don't know if Fitzpatrick is trying, but they have no one left. They have no running game whatsoever. Kalen Bodge, nine carries, nine-yard special. He'll get he a touchdown, is, though. Now, they're averaging three yards per carry. You know the last time a team averaged fewer than three yards per carry in a season? you got to go back to 1994. Patriots who made the playoffs and lost to the Browns in the wild card. The Bill Parcells. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Bledsoe. Yeah. Yep. And Bledsoe. Marion Butts was their starting running back. And that was the only need to know about that. They all they did was throw it to Ben Coates, but they went to the playoffs and lost to the Browns in 1994. That's the last time the Browns and Vinny Testaverde, last time the Browns won a playoff game to pull it full circle. Uh, the Browns, you know, look, Odell Beckham has had a horrible year. Baker Mayfield's had a horrible year. Nick Needham has looked good at times and rates out well, but this is the undrafted kid from UTEP who got abused by John Brown. This is a big breakout game for the Browns wide receivers and Baker Mayfield, specifically Odell Beckham. You know, he's been, he got short of the end zone by like a, a yard last week. I think he gets in a couple times here. The Browns defense, you can run on them. Well, the Dolphins can't run. Just throw that out the window. And their secondary is actually pretty good. Greedy and Ward. Two of my top 30 corners in the NFL. Fitzpatrick will get his yards, but Browns win this by two touchdowns plus. Yeah, maybe we finally see Rashard Higgins, uh, you know, with Callaway cut because he's been a yep. guy that's been underperforming. So, yeah, I think the Dolphins need to free my guy Patrick Laird. Caught six passes last week. Give him the shot in the run game, guys. And next up we have Carolina at New Orleans. The dreaded nine-and-a-half-point spread for the Saints. Uh, they are favored 53% uh, of the bets, only 47% of the money, though. Is on New Orleans, the total at 47, 64% of the bets, 82% of the dollars wagered coming in on the under here. And, you know, this is one where these nine and a half to nine to 10 point spreads, the underdog covers uh, at over an 80% clip. Do the Panthers bounce back in this spot, Stuck? No. Uh, I want no part of the Panthers the rest of the year. Look, I told you I was on the Falcons, all about the Falcons, my top pick last week. I drove the Kyle Allen bus for the first four weeks, and then I told everyone to get off of it. Um, it's it's the short working. bus now. Yeah. And, yeah, it's not working, and he is not the solution at quarterback. And, you know, the, the, the Saints defense, there are a lot of injuries on the Saints to keep an eye on. So just yeah, keep Marshall. your eye on 
yeah, with Lattimore and and you know, there's a, a couple there's other six, guys that have six popped win up. Pythagorean teams, but I like a, a lot of that came with Teddy. But so it's it's kind of tough to say. Yeah, I mean, but I trust the Saints' defense, and I trust them. I think they're going to be able to run the ball, which you can against Carolina. Uh, but this is you'll have Kyle Allen make a few mistakes. Um, you saw some of that regression start last week, and the the pass offense with Kyle Allen at the helm has gone down the toilet. The line's about right, but uh, I don't see the Panthers threatening. The Saints, this is a game I probably will stay away from betting-wise. Yeah, it could be one of those divisional unders uh, to keep an eye on late in the year, too, because yeah. I think, you know, we all look at the Saints at home and think of, of a lot of points, but uh, could, could be a sneaky under with the Saints just, just kind of winning in a blowout fashion, though. I uh, don't really want to bet them either, just given, you know, that, that, that gives me pause with that, with, with those numbers about uh, those 9 to 10 point spreads. So probably a stay away from me. Uh, last one, we kind of talked about this one a bit, but uh, Jags at the Tennessee Titans. Titans, three-point favorites, 68% of the tickets, 63% of the dollars. Total at 41.5, 59% of the tickets, 84% of the money on the over in Jags-Titans. Jags said they want to run the ball more, get Leonard Fournette more involved. Not, probably not a good idea against the Titans, one of the better nope. run defenses in the league. And, and I think I'll just point out that one of the things you worry about with the Jags and their offense, specifically Fournette, is that – Nick Foles is back. He's predominantly a shotgun quarterback. They're going to play most of their snaps out of the shotgun with Foles. That's just how he plays, RPOs and all that stuff. First career, Leonard Fournette, 4.2 yards per carry uh, and, and double-digit yards per catch under center. When, when he's in the shotgun, 3.5 yards a carry, 7.1 yards a catch. So uh, he's just a lot easier to defend, not as adept at uh, running out of the shotgun, which hurts uh, because uh, Nick Foles is back. Yep, I disagree with that approach as well. And the Jags' defense is just – I can't figure it out. It's just underwhelming to me. Their linebacking play has been so bad. Uh, I think the Titans will be able to run the ball. The Jags' defense, I think 30th in run defense. I mean, the run defense has been horrible. You saw that last week when the Colts ran all over them. 200-yard rushers. Yeah, so I think that the Titans will have some success running the ball. And I think that they'll dominate the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Uh, you know, especially if they're trying to run on that run defense – I don't think it's going to work. And I love that Titans front seven. And, you know, with Jeffrey Simmons, who's a stud, who missed, you know, the good portion of the year, rookie from Mississippi State to start the year. He's a stud in there with Daquan Jones. Uh, I mean, I just love that front seven. And so I think that they're going to dominate the line of scrimmage on both ends. Don't forget about Cameron Wake and, and Landry on the outside on the edge. So I like that front seven. I think that's the difference in the game. All right. And now time for our final segment, our survivor pool Pick of the week. One pick. One chance to advance. Survivor. So each week we just look for our top survivor pick for anybody that's still alive in their pools. Uh, we had a little contest going, uh, and the Colts, I believe, were just the, the death of you uh, a couple of times. So pick Oakland last week it was? That barely, barely worked out. This week, I'm going with the Cleveland Browns uh, team I can't see using in any other spot than against the Miami Dolphins, and you kind of hit on it. I think this line is probably underrating the Browns a bit in this spot, so biggest favorite on the board. Give me the Browns in Survivor. If you couldn't pick the Browns stuck, uh, who would you be looking to this week? Well, you got to go Browns here, but if you can't, I would look maybe if you haven't used the Saints, although you, you probably have before, but other than that, it's a really tough week. So hopefully you can use either the Browns or the Saints. Yeah, and somehow I've gotten through these 12 weeks 
and I haven't used the Saints. And I looked at the schedule, and I don't know if I will be using them. I just don't, didn't want to use them in a divisional game. You know, we saw kind of an, they laid an egg against the Falcons. So, Fair. Um, but, you know, would pick them if, if, if I didn't have the, uh, the Browns still available. All right, so that does it for another edition of the Action Network podcast, NFL betting preview. Uh, be sure to stay tuned to the channel all week. Stuck and Colin Wilson will be back with a couple of college football episodes Friday, Monday. And uh, Friedman Corner and I will be back with the Fantasy Flex. And, of course, Stuck and I are doing the, the NFL breakdowns. Actually, I think we'll have these pods a little earlier because ne- next week is Thanksgiving. So so look out for all those uh, a little earlier in the week than, than you're usually used to. So uh, that should be fun. Again, be sure to download the Action Network app for real-time odds, bet tracking, uh, in-game live win probabilities, and all that good stuff. You can follow Stuck on the app at Stucky2, and you can follow me at Chris Raybon. Our handles are the same on Twitter, so be sure to follow us there. Good luck this week. Let's get this money. Go Pack Go. We're finished talking.